Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hello everyone, so I'm glad that you are back and listening to the Greener Thoughts program here. There aren't any special announcements or environmental holidays that I want to cover. So we're going to just get started with our next segment up, which is headlines from the hemispheres. As you know, it is a quick briefing on all things environmental news all across the globe with three short headlines. So the first headline is out of Pakistan, and it deals with one of the loneliest elephants in the world. So world's loneliest elephant will leave zoo to embark on new life. HuffPost had that story, and again, this is out of Pakistan in the city Islamabad. So with this elephant, it is a pretty popularized elephant named Kavan, and it's popular amongst uh, those in the animal rights world and activists there. And they sort of rallied around uh, Kavan, and they wanted to make sure that uh, Kavan had a safety um, a trip, a safe trip, uh, exiting from and leaving his Pakistani zoo, which he was housed in for several years, and uh, he's going to be transferred and was transferred uh, to another uh, place for uh, better conditions for him to be uh, living in. He has been dubbed the world's loneliest elephant by many of his supporters because Kavan has been at that zoo in Islamabad for a long time, more than 35 years. That's a long time for an elephant uh, to live uh, and be alive. And Kavan sadly had lost his partner back in 2012, and he battled loneliness and all types of poor living conditions while being in the Pakistani zoo. A recent medical examination had showed that the elephant was overweight and did show signs of malnutrition. And his nails were particularly in bad health, were very cracked and even overgrown uh, from improper uh, care while being in that enclosure. Um, And with the floor being in a bad state too, uh, in reference to his feet. Kavan definitely... Uh, the rescue of Kavan had attracted many different types of people all around the world uh, in support of Kavan, including some celebrities like U.S. singer Cher, who also lobbied for his relocation. And also, rights activists have been lobbying for Kavan's relocation since 2016. The next headline is out of France and it deals with the coronavirus and also obesity in people and the clear uh, connections to both. 
Data clearly shows the more serious trajectory of COVID-19 disease in people with obesity. The Environmental News Network, or ENN.com, had this story. And France, again, was where this came from. Mainly, this was presented as one of the uh, sessions, at one of the sessions um, at the European and International Congress of Obesity, or ECOICO 2020. It was held online this year, and it occurred from uh, September the 1st through through the 4th. And it discussed the ties and the relationship between obesity and the seriousness of the coronavirus. And the session was presented at the Lille uh, University Hospital in France. Now, Francois Pateau is the professor of surgery and a department head at the University of Lille and the uh, Lille University Hospital, respectively, and presented the uh, data, the French data, uh, earlier on in the pandemic. But it was published in this journal called Obesity. And uh, with that, it rapidly had revealed that patients that were obese and suffering from obesity were facing extreme um, risks in health Uh, impacts due to uh, the coronavirus and even had higher mortality risks than patients without obesity. Now, Pateau did discuss uh, the areas of France that had higher prevalences of obesity and those regions that appeared to take longer to release uh, from their lockdown restrictions. And the data also showed that among ICU patients with the coronavirus, around half, 50%, had obesity with a BMI above 30, and 25% had a severe obesity of about a BMI of 35 or above. And most of the remaining patients, around 40%, were overweight, with only about 10% of patients in the healthy weight range with a BMI of 25 or under. Among the non-coronavirus ICU patients, their story was a bit different. 25% of them had obesity or severe obesity, and a further 25% were overweight and around 50% fell into the healthy weight range. Lastly is some information about uh, black holes and a collision that was detected recently. So mammoth collision of impossible black holes detected. And again, Environmental News Network had the story, and this is out of Australia. Now, when it comes to black holes, I do love black holes. They are fascinating. And a huge collision took place and was detected by these two uh, gravitational wave observatories, the LIGO, L-I-G-O, that's the acronym, and then the Virgo acronym, uh, Scientific Collaboration. Both of these had seen uh, the collision of these uh, black holes. Both of these observatories are in the U.S. and in the in, in Europe, respectively. And it first took place on the 21st of May, 2019. And these came from uh, these are two highly spinning mammoth black holes both weighing in at a massive 85 times and 66 times the mass of the sun, respectively. Treehugger.com 
is a source for this podcast episode's news, and I had uh, been kind of shocked that I really didn't talk about or haven't really referenced anything concerning some of the foods that are really bad for our planet in in mass. And I was like, I need to do a a huge list of these foods. And so I found something on treehugger.com. I was so happy about this because I was like, okay, this is fairly recent and it is uh, something to be aware of because not surprisingly, a lot of these foods are somewhat popular. Um, Some would say that they're staples in the American diet. Definitely, these should be more nutritious, but they're not. These are uh, foods that you can definitely try to replace um, every so often as you can because there's a a huge list I'm going to get to um, in the Mother Earth Minutes that can replace just about any of these foods. And those should be staples that we should incorporate into our, our diet and to eat often, you know. Uh, a lot of those foods, probably more than half of those foods, I hadn't heard of, or maybe they're not really available in you know supermarkets that I'm in or grocery stores like Whole Foods, Giant, Aldi's, etc. And I was like, I gotta share this with people. I was gotta share this with my listeners and those who are listening and and can really follow this information because a lot of this food. Um, that I'm gonna you know, tell you a little bit about you can do without because there are alternatives out there that will get you just as healthy, that are just as filling, may help you save money, and will keep you healthier for longer um, because you can uh, see yourself without you know these unhealthy foods. So we're gonna look at how do your foods measure up. Just think about any foods that I'm going to mention and the facts surrounding them and uh, some of, of why they're bad and you know consider how um you know you eat these foods how often you eat these foods could any of these foods easily be replaced um with a healthier alternative so the first food is rice i love rice because it is a great filler a little bit fibrous uh, when you think about it but it is uh, uh really um something that is filling and surprisingly or not surprisingly it's a major calorie source for a lot of the world's population about 50 percent and with that there comes a lot of growing of rice and so growing rice accounts for 33 percent of our world's fresh water use think about that 33 percent is of the fresh water that we do have is because we're spending it and using it to grow rice according to oxfam now there's this new technique called the system of rice intensification which uh, otherwise is known as SRI and it's been uh, used as a new technique and it's been used to uh, enable farmers to get the most out of uh, the growing of rice uh, at about 50% more with even less water so that's really good. Oxfam does uh, believe and is is working uh, with different countries and farmers in those countries to convert about 25% of their rice cultivation that they already uh, are are making uh, to the SRI method uh, by 2025, so right around the corner. 
Number two is genetically modified foods. Now, it goes without saying that these are horrible only because these are altered foods. These are not foods in their natural state and they have plenty of cons surrounding them, but there are three that are ones that you should remember for sure in case anyone asks you, why are GMO foods uh, awful? Besides the fact that they are not uh, natural, these are man-made and altered uh, foods. Now, one of the first uh, downsides with GMO uh, foods are that they lower the levels of biodiversity uh, amongst uh, animals and plants often. So this means that the crops themselves, they are resistant, meaning that the food sources that would be available to animals normally are dwindled and essentially gone. Uh, animals, you know, they don't naturally feed off GMO crops. They feed off uh, plants and uh, plants and organisms that haven't been altered in any way. And with foreign genes, foreign genes that sometimes make up GMO foods, they are toxic and they endanger the lives of animals uh, when those plants are eaten. Number two with that is that they spread the uh, altered genes themselves. Now, these genes are uh, not planted in uh, 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 acres and hectares where um, there are non-genetically modified plants there. These genes are getting spread by the wind to make their way into the, the, the crops uh, and the planting grounds of those uh, plants that weren't uh, set to be genetically modified. These are plants that are in their natural state and because uh, the altered genes of the GMOs uh, get into them, that alters them. Um, there's a, a huge problem that I have watched several times in, in Food Inc. that farmers in uh, the U.S. In, uh, on American soil they are somehow getting their, um, their, their, their yields contaminated by, you know, Monsanto um, GMO seeds get into their, their stock and it messes with uh, the contamination of their product. And sometimes Monsanto will come after them saying that they um, uh, copied, they copied uh, unknowingly or possibly knowingly um, their product. And, you know, the farmers you know, have a hard time proving that they didn't. And it's because of the wind. It's because of uh, the farming that's used to, to, to grab the crops out of the ground. You know, the, 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 the genetically modified organisms, those genes, you know, those seeds end up on the farmer's um, crops and, you know, in their soils. And it's hard to get rid of. Once it's there, it just breeds. And that's the problem of the spread of those altered genes. And lastly, there is the creation of new diseases. Yes, that means with gene genetically modified foods, they use bacteria and viruses uh, to make themselves able to adapt easily and to morph into new diseases. So that's one of the big, huge problems of genetically modified foods. Number three food that is really dangerous for the planet is sugar. Now, more than 145 million tons of sugar uh, was produced and is produced in about 121 countries every single year, according to the World Wildlife Fund. And sugar is responsible for many uh, 
horrible things that go on uh, to the environment, namely things like biodiversity loss, which is huge. It does so much more damage than almost any other crop. It also is a big player in habitat destruction, also the intensive use of water and pesticides for crops, and also makes uh, polluted wastewater um, from the production of its, its, its sugar, from the production uh, of it. Uh, number four is meat. So meat, according to the UN Food and Agricultural Organization, the FAO, it is high on the list regarding the environment and what it does to it. There are a number of things that uh, meat uh, will um, uh, pose as a risk to the environment, namely things like greenhouse gas emissions and deforestation. Uh, with those, there are a few stats regarding uh, meat. So 18% of greenhouse gas emissions come from livestock themselves, more than transportation even. So transportation is, you know, second, third in, the lo- in line when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions output. Uh, next is that 70% of uh, previously forested land in the Amazon was cleared to pasture cattle. So uh, that's a big problem in the Amazon. They know that and they're clearing uh, all the trees uh, and making sure that, you know, they don't grow back. They will never grow back. And it's all to, you know, raise cattle. Uh, Number three is that the largest, the world's largest source of water pollution is in the livestock sector. No surprises there. Uh, Also, livestock is responsible for a third, so 33% of the nitrogen and phosphorus uh, in U.S. freshwater resources. And then lastly, livestock accounts for about uh, 20% of land animals, and then 30% of the Earth's land uh, is occupied uh, or was once inhabited by uh, wildlife. So next, uh, number five is fast food. Fast food doesn't matter if it's um, more fresh fast food or maybe your traditional uh, burgers and fries. Anything that you can get outside your home for cheap is essentially fast food. And if it's quick, it's definitely fast food. According to Californians Against Waste, less than 35% of fast food waste is diverted from landfills, even though most of it is recyclable paper and cardboard. Also, there are huge emissions in fast food arising mainly from the production of fast food. So this means the the making, the cultivating, the raising of the animals to be butchered for fast food. Thinking your cheeseburgers, for example, that, uh, for example, roughly uh, uh, the amount of uh, gas emitted just uh, when it comes to cheeseburgers is roughly 6.5 million to 19.6 million uh, SUVs worth. So that's the amount of greenhouse gas uh, emissions equivalent uh, when we're talking about in terms of that range there. Number six is palm oil. We're about halfway through palm oil. I've talked about the uh, awful effects of palm oil, that it's not your friend. I did a podcast episode uh, not too long ago about it, about three or so episodes ago. Uh, And uh, it is uh, horrible mainly because 
um, of the types of uh, places you can find the the palm oil ingredient in the names that it goes by. Sometimes it will not it will not ever clearly say palm oil. Nine times out of ten, it will have secret names that it goes by, and it's in tons of different products. Many times, unedible products, uh, cosmetic products, detergents, etc. It's in so many different things. And in the U.S. groceries, it's in about 10% of U.S. groceries. So that's from your snacks, your chips and crackers and and candies, even margarines, uh, cereals, and other types of canned goods too. And also another uh, big con uh, against palm oil is the the plantations uh, that are used to create um, and grow the palm oil, but also it has some of the highest rates of deforestation on the planet. Number seven are the packaged and processed foods. Now these differ from your fast foods mainly because these are of course uh, altered in a way that they aren't they aren't from nature. These are foods that are man-made essentially and pumped with all types of chemicals and they are energy uh, intensive when it comes to making the food itself and the packaging too. And, and oftentimes that packaging ends up in a landfill. You, so you can't even save that nine times out of 10. The EPA here in the US found that in 2006, the US generated 14 million tons of plastic through packages and containers alone. Number eight are many non-organic foods. So organic produce is king, it's amazing. Sometimes you can grow it yourself, but if you're not so savvy, it's fine. You can always find it in stores somewhere at a grocery store near you most often. And with organic produce, it's great because it's grown without pesticides. And uh, it is uh, great with um, you know preventing soil erosion and many other things. Organic farming is great because it does use uh, fewer resources than your conventional or traditional farming. Now, uh, there are um, pr- many pros to organic foods. So this is a- about non-organic foods. I'm talking about the, the highlights of organic foods because obviously a non-organic is not optimal or not as good as organic foods. With organic farming practices, according to the Rondell Institute, it uses about 30% less energy in water than conventional growing. Number nine on the list is some seafood. So some seafoods um, that you want to watch out for, the um, uh, overfished varieties or the ones that are definitely on endangered uh, species lists, you want to avoid. Uh, There are different analysts, especially at the UN Food and Agricultural Organization, the FAO again, which has reported that 70% of the world's fisheries have definitely been fully or overly exploited, depleted, or are in a state of collapse. Think your bluefin tuna or your Atlantic salmon. Some of these definitely have been severely overfished, and many groups are trying to put both of these fish on different endangered species uh, lists and have that status there for them. Number 10 is white bread. 
white bread in my opinion is pretty disgusting it has no flavor and you can just taste the bleachness of it but nonetheless what wheat flour uh, definitely goes through a refining process and it goes through many different series of this process to make white bread so initially you know you're getting uh, you know wheat flour and it, it goes through that process of being you know that solid bread and then over time it gets refined and refined to a point where it becomes white bread so uh, whole wheat flour uh, definitely is where you want to go for getting your grains it is of course a whole uh, grain bread and it, it definitely doesn't have as much uh, of a time in production making it than uh, your uh, you know your wheat bread and number 11 is high fructose corn syrup High fructose corn syrup is uh, pretty much in so many different uh, products, uh, especially in U.S. Uh, grocery stores. But one of the main cons to it is that it is involved in a monoculture, meaning that the crop that is used used to make um, in part high fructose corn syrup and many other um, products, corn, it isn't rotated enough. It's not used in conjunction with plants of other varieties like maybe uh, soybeans or peas or pumpkins or whatever other crop. It's not rotated. So mainly the soil is getting depleted mainly because it's getting used uh, mainly for that one crop. The, the nutrients are being zapped out of it and that contributes to erosion over time and definitely will require pesticides and fertilizers if it's the conventional type of corn and not something that's organic. There's also the milling and chemical um, factor, the altering of the corn too, when it comes to trying to make high fructose corn syrup, and it's also energy intensive because of that. Number 12 and the last one is uh, eating the eating of anything that's non-local food. Now sometimes this can be hard, but overall uh, when it comes to your local food, uh, on average, especially here in the U.S., because um, you know our food travels so long to get to our plates, according to the Leopold Center for Sustainable Agriculture, the average fresh food items on your dinner table travel 1,500 miles to get there. So that just shows you the impact of food that's not even raised in your backyard or even close to you or maybe even in your state, your city. There are so many miles traveled uh, to get all the pieces and the parts um, that make your food um, able to be eaten and able to be grown and, and shipped and sent to you. got me thinking is that the foods on this list or the the types of uh, foods that you can eat on this list they aren't uh, particularly high quality when you really think about it like sometimes they're, they're the most uh, put together you know cheap uh, options for things or the the foods that take the the most production but 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 produced produce the the the, the type of food that's not uh, worth the amount of energy that was put into making it. Something like white bread, which is gross in my, in my opinion, um, it is devoid of nutrients. It's literally like you're tasting a bleached product, which is what it is. It's, it's bleached. It's, it's gotten all the nutrients out of it. The color is gone. Um, and it's, it looks 
you know, to easily, to me, fall apart. Like, I don't know, you know, why this, this bread is even used, like, for sandwiches and, and different things or for toast even. It's not even toast-worthy. Um, things like rice. Rice is pretty cheap, and there are different types of, of rice. And not all of them are treated the same, but for the, the purposes of, like, eating, you know, Chinese food or something, American Chinese food, like, that white rice is cheap to make, and it's it's cheap to cultivate. And yet... A huge portion of our water is used, fresh water, is used uh, to make rice. And much of the world eats rice. Uh, not all rice, again, is treated the same. So, you know, white rice or, or the most popular rice that's, that's eaten, uh, for example, in the U.S. is definitely not the healthiest or the, the best type of rice eaten in the world. And when it comes to other foods that we've mentioned, like um, sugar, for example, sugar is is... Depending on the type of sugar, um, definitely that plays, I think, a, a, a part in the quality that you're going to get, where it's from, um, because, you know, sugar can, it can, it can really throw you for a loop. And there are other ways to, sh to sugar uh, and sweeten um, and, and make, um, uh, make um, light and taste um, and dessert-like other types of foods that are great. Um, better for the planet and also uh, will save money too, even though sugar is kind of cheap. But over the long term, things like agave nectar or honey uh, will uh, save you a lot of time because you can use those as needed. You know, there are other f things that you can use to sweeten up uh, your foods. Palm oil is um, pretty gross when you think of all the different names it goes under. I did a, I did so many different names that are, are under uh, palm oil, you know, there's there's kernel oil and there's these all these these different nut oils that kind of um, they, they make you think that, oh, it's not palm oil, but it is in your if you're eating palm oil or using it in your soaps, then, you know, that's a problem. And it's if it's causing deforestation uh, that for me outweighs the use of palm oil, for example, I just saw that uh, palm oil was one of the first ingredients in this this whole food soap that I, I bought. I bought it, I think, in early 2020 or so, so um, not too long ago. But when I realized that, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just never going to buy the soap again, even though it has plenty of other organic and eco-friendly ingredients in it, sure. But some of the main ones were sodium palpitate and, and palm uh, kernel oil and in all these other derivatives of uh, palm oil. So that speaks to me. And I just did a, po a podcast episode about it. Oh, this is a palm oil product. It's one of the uh, different types of products that you'll find palm oil uh, derivatives in, um, like, like um, all types of candies and chips and detergents and soaps and all these other things. And it kind of... It got me thinking, okay, I'm just never going to buy this soap again. Even though it's a, it a, it a reasonable price, it was probably like less than $2 or whatever for the the bar and the teams up with a, a fair trade organization in Whole Foods, it's great. But it contains an ingredient that I just don't support. And I was willing to do that and reflect on the soap by looking at the ingredients. I actually looked the, the ingredients up online because the packaging of the soap I had I had gotten rid of. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know... Um, what ingredients were in the soap because it's not like they're going to just easily be on the soap if there's no label on there. So I looked at the, the brand. Uh, and so I, I won't also, I won't include that uh, company as part of the Eagle Company Spotlight either because 
I know that, you know, one of the ingredients it has is palm oil in it. And unfortunately, you know, I can't, uh, you know, preach and, and, and say about the, the, the values of a company, but yet they use ingredients uh, from uh, products and from uh, sources that, um, you know, aren't sustainable over the long term and do so much damage to our planet. So that's just where I am, you know, speaking about these different things. And, you know, there are other types of foods in the list like um, products or foods like your processed foods. They're not, of course, of high quality. So it makes sense that they would also do a, do damage on the planet. Um, and then the common sense things like your non-organic foods and your non-local foods, they each play a role in, um, you know, doing a number on the environment, mainly because they're not uh, easily um, uh, going to be produced near you. So sometimes you're not going to know what the standards are for even growing that food. Um, sometimes these, these non-organic foods, they're, they're laden with different pesticides and, and herbicides, and they're, they're, the, the gas that it takes to even get that food from the growing fields of halfway across the world to your local, you know, grocery store, that's factored in there too. So that's a, also a reason why they're, they're not the best for the planet, why they're so bad for us and for the planet. Because you want to have those organic foods. You know, who doesn't want to eat organic? I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying that you'll never be able to eat organic. But the non-organic foods are what you want to uh, look out for. And if you want to try, maybe you can try having or, an organic um, you know, Saturday and you just want to, um, you know, belly up and, and eat as many foods as you can um, or shop whenever you can, maybe once a week or twice a, a month or so to eat organic foods and to switch out um, foods that you eat more commonly that happen to be non-organic and you want to uh, experiment and try organic foods, you know, do that. You can uh, follow the list that I'm going to, you know, get to talking about and swap out those um, unhealthy, sometimes, you know, cheap foods for the better organic foods that look and in, 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 in they, 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 you know, make you healthier, not just in your, your body, but also in your wallet. They help you save money, which is a good thing. Um, and they're better for the planet overall. And, and most of the foods I'm going to mention, they are um, uh, definitely foods I think that you'll pick up at your international food stores or maybe be able to try to order online or maybe find out where you can find it. Um, online and then maybe pick it up in store. I know that a number of these foods I haven't, um, you know, seen a lot in my grocery store and I'll try to find them. Definitely. I would, uh, I'll definitely make it my mission to eat at least all of these foods in my lifetime if I can, if not in the next few years and, and sooner than that, definitely I want to make it my mission to eat these foods and incorporate them in my uh, diet. You know, every day, if I could, I would, I would eat, uh, portions of these different foods and they look shelf stable most of them and they're healthy and they're they're not uh, anything out of the ordinary they're not they're not um, they're all different food groups sure but they're not your your meats and your dairies they're plant-based and their beans and their vegetables and fruits and all these different uh, types of foods so I'm going to get into talking about all of them because I'm really excited to talk about them so be sure to grab a pen pencil and be sure to take notes or, and also uh, jot down the website where you can find out all um, these different foods a bit. 
and we're going to cover all these in the Mother Earth Minutes. The Mother Earth Minutes is where we review in the next few minutes proactive things that we can all do to combat the issue in the episode and to protect Mother Earth. Now for this Mother Earth Minutes, we're going to discuss and talk about all the top healthiest foods that we can eat that are also the best for the planet. And these foods look amazing. I know that there some of them are definitely uh, foreign to me and I'm really excited to you know even eat and try them because you know there are different tastes that are out there that I, I haven't tasted before and they you know are very different in their 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 scale of healthiness and the vitamins that they pr- pr- that they have and the nutrients and everything else and so World Wildlife Fund and NOR they teamed up into the report on the foods that are out there all across the globe and they they put the top 50 that are the future of our, our food um, uh, uh, in our world and these are the best for the, the planet um, and uh, they had a number of different things that they have um, found this facts when it comes to food. So uh, with that, about 75% of the food that we consume normally uh, on the daily comes from about 12 plant sources and five animal sources. So that means that uh, there aren't, there isn't a lot of variety when it comes to what we eat. And only three crops, wheat, corn, and rice, make up 60% of our plant-based calories. So that means that we do have to do a lot of a variation when it comes to eating. There's a lack of variety in agriculture and they, they believe that that's a main problem for both nature and it threatens us and our, our lack of food security, which makes sense. If you're only planting and eating a certain amount of food, a limited amount of, of food, you're only uh, securing those crops and foods that you normally eat. And when things go awry, when there are uh, plant diseases or drought or anything of that sort, it will affect those crops and we need to start planting the other types of foods that I'll get to um, so that we can ensure better food security for ourselves. So I will link the uh, website for you in the episode description, in the episode notes, so you can check it out. It's a PDF, it's uh, about 50 pages or so, and it's it's really uh, beautifully written, the, the, the typography and all the um, paragraphs of information for each of the foods, and they're split up in different uh, categories and food groups, which I'll uh, name um, just before reading all the different um, different foods. So the first group is algae, and the first uh, food is the lover seaweed, aka nori. Second is the wakame seaweed, that's also algae. Beans and legumes are our next uh, group, and the third. Food is the adzuki beans, that's another type of bean. And number four is the black turtle beans. And number five are broad beans, or otherwise known as fava beans. Number six is bambara groundnuts, or bambara beans. Number seven are cowpeas. From what I looked, um, from what I saw from the image of them in the PDF, they look a little bit like black eyed peas. But um, nonetheless, I think black eyed peas look a lot similar to cow peas a little bit. 
And number eight are lentils. I like lentils a lot. You can do a lot with lentils. You can spice them up. Um, I definitely don't like eating them plain, but lentils are pretty good. Number nine are marama beans. Number 10 are mung beans. And number 11 are soybeans. Uh, cacti is the next group uh, with 12 nopales. And then with the other group are cereals and grains. So here there are a number, there are a number of uh, cereals and grains. Number 13 is amaranth. Number 14 is buckwheat. Number 15 is finger millet. Number 16 is phonio. Number 17 is corans or corasan wheat. Number 18 is quinoa, one of my favorite grains ever. Number 19 is spelt. Number 20 is teff. Number 21 is wild rice. Now the fruits and vegetables, there are a few that are definitely on this list to try. Number 22 uh, are pumpkin flowers. Number 23 is okra. Anyone down south, I think would know the okras are a pretty known staple and there are different ways to prepare okra. And number 24 are orange tomatoes. Now next are the leafy greens and there are a number of them. Number 25, you have your beet greens. Number 26, you have your broccoli, arabe, or rabe. Um, number 27 is kale. Kale is great. It is definitely one to um, pack your salads with. Uh, you can put it in smoothies. I love it. You can do a lot with kale. You can uh, boil it down and eat kale that way too. Um, with uh, number 28, you have moringa. Number 29 is pak choy or bok choy. That's the Chinese cabbage. Number 30 is uh, pumpkin leaves. And thir number 31 is red cabbage. Number 32 is spinach. Number 33 is watercress. Now for the mushrooms, there are just a few different mushrooms to try. These are the best for the planet. Number 34 is enoki mushrooms. E-N-O-K-I. Number 35 is the matake. Or ma I think it's matake. Uh, mushrooms. And then number 6 is the saffron milk cap mushrooms. Next you have your nuts and seeds. So with uh, th these, uh, we're going to start with number 37. That's flax seeds. Number 38 are hemp seeds. Number 39 are your sesame seeds. And then number 40 are your walnuts. Root vegetables, there are a few too. I'm surprised there should be more, but I like this list as it is. Number 41 is black salsify. Number 42 is parsley root. Number 43 is white icicle radish or your winter radish. Next is the category sprouts. And number 44, alfalfa sprouts. Number 45 are sprouted kidney beans. Number 46 is sprouted chickpeas or garbanzo beans. And then lastly are your tubers. Number 47, we have lotus root. Number 48 is uh, ube or ube, U-U-B-E. 
or otherwise known as purple yam and then uh, number 49 you have a yam beet bean root and then number 50 is the red Indonesian sweet potatoes fact of the day is that Sweden and Austria have closed all their coal-fired power plants. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club's Sierra Magazine in the September-October 2020 issue. The Eco Company Spotlight is where we are in the program right now. It's one of the best segments of the program because you get tons of information that is really applicable to your daily life. And uh, in addition to, you know, what's in the news, this is great as well, as well as the Mother Earth Minutes. Everything is uh, really great in the program in its entirety. But I think with the Eco Company Spotlight, you get a lot more use out of it too, especially if you use um, different products on the regular, like when it comes to cosmetics, for example, or when it comes to different foods out there, etc. And with this uh, company, it's no different. I'm going to introduce you to, and I love it. As you know, you can always uh, send me information about brands and companies that you love. I definitely love to partake in them. And as always, it's free of charge to do so. You can let me know by voice message through the Anchor app or on anchor.fm and going to the specific website, my link, or anchor.fm forward slash Greener Thoughts Podcast. Or you can also email me at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. So I've been doing a lot of reviews since February 2019, and everyone is different. It's definitely in depth more than I think anything you've you know, heard of um, in another program or anything like that. And, you know, we take it there. We want you to get the best, most wholesome, most um, variety uh, for what you can get from these companies and the health that they can bring to you. And so one of these companies that we're going to talk about is called Now Foods. So Now Foods is a favorite of mine and they've been around since 1968 and they've been one of the leaders in natural foods and natural products in the whole industry. They provide so much from everything from natural and healthy foods to even natural supplements that empower you to to lead a natural, healthier life. Some of the core values that are of Now are that they focus more on their employees. They do so much to make quality, healthy, and organic products, and they focus also on the maximum value that they can give you for their products. They respect others and treat others amazingly and follow the golden rule, and they are big on supplying products that are great for your health and that keep the customers healthy. Anyone that knows their products knows that. And they also are big on being a family-owned company. Now, as far as their commitment to sustainability, Now Foods is amazing with their certifications. They have over 150 USDA certified organic products, and they have more than 450 non-GMO project verified products. And also, Now Solutions is also a PETA cruelty-free certified. 
They also have their products mainly in recyclable packaging, but for anything that's hard to recycle or maybe uh, isn't uh, able to be recycled in some way, then they have partnered and partnered with TerraCycle to make campaigns available so that they can have those uh, different packages that aren't really recycled able to be made to finished goods. Also with them, their newest manufacturing facility is located in Sparks, Nevada. It's also U.S. Green Building Council certified lead uh, certified. So with their products, they have many different products that they have. They have their beauty and health products. They have essential oils. They've got natural foods and pet health types of products. They've also got sports nutrition uh, products and also they have supplements. Now, I love that Now Foods is really a staple in the natural and organic space. They are brilliant um, in the fact that you're not just able to buy them from um, their website. You can buy them from different websites. And I, I, I bought their products from I, I, um, Herb and also um, from Amazon. And I bought their essential oils and some of their supplemental um, powders, like for like for smoothies and stuff. And also, I've used some of their different oils and beauty products too, like for hair. And I first off love the quality of these products. They will last you for years if you take care of them. And the packaging is recyclable. I love reusing their different like jars for different stuff because with their um, beauty products sometimes they'll come like in jars or in pumps so I love that and I love that there are so many different products of all sorts that you can come to them for just about anything you need and it's one of the uh, few I think um, companies that I've mentioned in the Eco Company Spotlight where they focus on like pets so for people who have a hard time uh, finding a quality or a natural or organic items for their pets it's a place to go for uh, pet health or anything pet related when it comes to taking care of them. I love again the recyclable packaging with their products. Great prices too. It depends on what you get but most often you're getting that high quality um, product and they vary so much. I give it a five out of five clearly a green thumbs up. I love it and I've, I've known about them for so long I just had to go ahead and talk about them. So now foods can be found in stores and online. You can check them out at their website www.nowfoods.com. You can also find them uh, on different places online mainly at uh, Amazon, also at All Star Health, Bodybuilding.com, Daily Vita, Fruitful Yield, Herbs Pro, iHerb.com, Muscles and Strength, Nutrition.com, also Puritan's Pride, Vitacost, and uh, Vita Glow. And you can also check them out, uh, their natural foods and health stores. You can find them abundantly there, either in the US or abroad. And also, Now Foods is available internationally. You can find them on six continents and also in more than 70 countries across the world. Now Foods can be found on all types of different social media platforms. You can check them out on Facebook at Now Foods. They're on Instagram at Now Foods Official, all lowercase on one word. They're on LinkedIn at Now Foods. They're also on Pinterest at Now Foods. They're also on Twitter at Now Foods and YouTube on 
uh, now foods and I recently subscribed to them and I love that they have recent videos and they do a lot of recipe videos and breakdowns of their products and other things about them. Now to contact Now Foods, just go to their website, again www.nowfoods.com and then click contact us at the bottom of their website to call, mail them, or even message them directly. My mission for this podcast episode was to really spotlight different foods that you could replace in your diet that you're eating that are healthier and to to have a place that you can repeatedly go to where you could find all these different healthy foods that are tasty, that are effectively, you know, healthy, that are nutritious, and they're all in one place that will replace uh, some of the, the foods that I listed or if not all the foods that I listed because they're not healthy for you nor the planet. And I'm not surprised that they're on the list mainly because they don't give you that nutritional value. They're intensive to making, to cultivate. They are expensive when you think of the, the cost on the line to your health, especially because you could you know run into different cancers or different health conditions overall. Um, and then there's also the, the conditions that you could wind up with, maybe asthma or lung conditions or, or different respiratory infections or skin conditions, etc. because of the use of pesticides, herbicides, and chemicals used even in the making of those foods, like GMO uh, foods, for example. So uh, I really hope that this all, you know, tied together and made an impact on you so that you can be able to share you know, this with others or just incorporate this as a, as a main podcast to go, you know, to, you know, in the weeks and months to come and just keep it in your repertoire. Um, especially when you go grocery shopping, you know, favorite this or bookmark this, you know, on, on the web or maybe, you know, on your phone or desktop so that you're able to, uh, come back to it or maybe just take notes so that you can have all this information on hand and it's like second nature uh, to you. I know that with these foods, I was, you know, stunned at the magnificence and the variability of all the different types of grains that are out there and and root vegetables and all the different types of algae that are just so tasty. And I was like salivating and just ecstatic at the numbers of different foods that are out there and a whole host of them I didn't even know existed. Like they were just, just out of the box for me, but I'm happy to have learned that I will definitely be buying these foods and using them. Like I can't wait to use more lentils and I love quinoa and just using all these different foods, you know, algae, for example, um, nori and uh, garbanzo beans, definitely chickpeas. Uh, Chickpeas are great. There are some, you know, different different things you can do with uh, chickpeas. But I learned a bit while doing this episode. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening because you care that much about your health. You care about what you're putting into your body and the, and the, the health of your families and your friends. So uh, that means a lot. So, you know, be sure to share this uh, episode with them. I'm sure they'll love you for it. And uh, it'll mean a lot uh, for someone who's wanting to put their health first and to, to change their health either for health reasons or because they want to or because they just need to do something new in life and this is a, a place to start with their food, something that they would interact with daily. So in the meantime, be sure to check out another podcast episode coming up soon and sharing and rating Greener Thoughts. Definitely every little bit helps and I want to thank you as always, always for 
coming back and tuning in for amazing episodes uh, that are able to be uh, heard. So until next time, again, please take care of yourselves and please take care of the planet. See you around.